Hello everyone, you're listening to In the Weeds, an agriculture podcast hosted by Monica Jean and the Michigan Field Crops team. Welcome back again to In the Weeds with Monica Jean and the Field Crops team. I'm Monica Jean here and I'm a field crops educator based in the Saginaw Bay region. We're back again with Paul and Dr. Kurt Stanky to chit chat a little bit about um, fertilizing wheat. And so welcome back again, Paul, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, Monica, thanks. Uh, I'm Paul Gross, an extension educator, field crop educator in central Michigan, just a little bit north of Monica and northern Michigan. I'm happy to be here with Dr. Stanky. And Kurt, do you mind? Absolutely. Thanks for having me uh, here again today. My name is Kurt Stanky. A lot of you probably heard and seen me across the state, uh, nutrient management specialist um, for Michigan State University and uh, Michigan State University Extension. So thanks for having me. And so I will just kick it off here. We're going to be chit-chatting about wheat. Can we talk a little bit about um, fall versus spring applications? Fall versus spring applications of what? Fertilizer. Well, you know, Kurt, just, you know, it seems like with wheat, <laughs> you know, it, a lot of our wheat goes in after soybeans. And it seems like fall fertilization is such an afterthought. And, and I, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of farmers will wait for spring to do that application. And I'm pretty sure that um, you have an opinion on that. I have many opinions, Paul, and yes, that is one of them. <laughs> uh, you know, first thing with, with wheat, uh, we have such tremendous yield potential here in Michigan with winter wheat. Um, you know, in many cases, we're, we're, we're uh, many times above uh, wheat production in some of our surrounding states, Great Plains, et cetera. And with our diversity of crop rotations, here in Michigan, we have the opportunity to plant wheat a little earlier in the fall than some of the other winter wheat producing states. And planting date uh, can pay huge dividends with winter wheat production uh, here in Michigan. So, you know, one of the first rules of thumb that I always tell uh, people with winter wheat production is if you're going to plant wheat, plant timely if you're able to. Um, and so, again, we start looking at that, that mid-September timeline, you know, anywhere from perhaps, you know, depending on where you're at in the state, you know, depending on those weather conditions. Um, but we've seen, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 bushel increases just based on planting date. Now, I bring planting date up because that can really impact the response to starter fertilizer. Um, so what we've noticed over the years is we tend to get a much better response to starter fertilizer on wheat with earlier planted wheat. Now that goes against the grain of a lot of what I uh, looked into and read when I first arrived here at MSU is that, you know, the mindset was the later you plant wheat, perhaps the more nitrogen you need. But the thing we have to remember is, you know, what does that plant need to uptake whatever nutrient you provide? It needs a root system. Right. And with some of these very late planted uh, wheat crops, there's not a developed root system to uptake whatever nutrient you apply. Um, and so, for instance, I'll look at this last past growing season. Uh, we had uh, a planting date by 
uh, nutrient strategy study put out. And we saw, again, just based on planting date, about a 16 bushel difference between a September 24th and an October 9th planting date. And so that October 9th is not extremely late. I'm not talking Halloween, Thanksgiving. October 9th is still quite timely. Um, but we saw about a bushel a day after uh, that uh, September 24th planting date, about a bushel a day loss. The other thing we noticed was from a nutrient strategy perspective, perspective we saw significant yield increases with almost everything that we did with that earlier planting date, but we didn't see it with that later planting date. So that would be something to consider at the get-go. The other thing to consider would be, comes back to that soil test, right? Do you need phosph? Do you need potassium? Um, so the soil test can help you interpret that a little bit. If we happen to enter uh, maybe one of these cold autumns where soils cool down a little bit quicker uh, than they normally would, sometimes we can see a little bit of a, a response to phosphorus. Uh, with regards to nitrogen, what we've noticed over the years is if uh, you take a pre-plant nitrate test with uh, or before planting wheat, if that's less than 10 parts per million, we tend to see a positive response to that uh, starter N. And if it's above 10 parts per million, we tend not to see a positive, a positive response to that starter N. Um, so again, comes back to taking a soil test. I am amazed with the number of wheat producers that perhaps don't take a soil test prior to planting wheat. And it's a perfect opportunity um, to try to one, correct some of those P and K uh, concentrations or uh, soil test values. And two, determine whether you actually do need to apply starter N or not. Um, so that would be my take home point there. Try to get uh, either a basic soil test and or a pre-plant nitrate test to determine uh, your response to both NP and K. So Kurt, that's really interesting because I've, I've, you know, we've talked about those PSNT tests in the spring for corn, but this is, you know, we don't talk about that much for wheat. So you, you, you advocate the, the pre-plant nitrate test. Uh, is soil temperature influence that? Uh, is, is there a point where it's too late to take that? Yep. You know, and, and, and that's probably one of the obstacles um, that those that plant wheat run into, right? Oftentimes, um, we're running up against the clock for getting those beans off the field, and then we want to turn right around and get that wheat planted because we know how precious that planting date can be for winter wheat. Um, yes, you know, that's Again, one of the things we've noticed is when we see these low, low nitrate tests, those are those scenarios where we see a response to, to that starter end. Um, and in many cases, when you combine that with an earlier planting date, that's in some cases, we've, we've seen 35 bushel bumps where we have those low nitrate tests and that early planting date. So yes, that can pay dividends. Yeah. And we can turn those, those uh, nitrate tests around pretty fast. So yes. we can, you know, even we, we could probably get out and pop them out of there before the beans come off even. Would yep. that be fair to say? Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, another thing that we've noticed is that that nitrate test is going to be impacted uh, by your crop rotation, right? So if you're following something like corn silage, oftentimes those, those might be a little bit low, depending on if it's a manure environment or not. Um, if you're following dry beans, for instance, um, it might depend on, on your end rate uh, to dry beans in that season. 
and that may impact that overall nitrate test. So that's, that's why that nitrate test can become quite important. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Let's, uh, let's swing to spring uh, on these, uh, you know, I know there's different, every farmer has a different nitrogen strategy in the spring. And uh, I guess in, in a perfect world, what would your, your ideal nitrogen strategy be? That's a great question. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer here, right? Um, you know, if you look at, you know, 8,000 plus wheat growers in the state of Michigan, there's probably, you know, almost that many different ways to apply mm -hmm. N with regards to form, source, timing, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things to remember is wheat is not corn. Um, it, it, it takes up N much earlier in the season and uh, for a shorter period of time than something like uh, that corn crop does. So it's quite essential that you get, uh, or that you can deliver N to that plant timely. So that's one of the main questions with regards to wheat N applications um, that, that most growers should ask themselves is, one, can you deliver N to that plant timely? And two, can you reduce opportunities for nitrogen loss? Those are usually the two factors that I think about with regards to wheat N management and wheat N strategies. Typically, if you were planted timely and you tend to be tillered uh, in the autumn going into um, dormancy, most growers can probably wait to apply their end till about feeks four or five. All right, that would be uh, that, that green up stage. We tend to not see many advantages to going earlier than that. In some cases we see disadvantage, disadvantages going earlier than that, depending on what those spring conditions are. So if you tend to go with maybe like a freeze up application, like we talk about, uh, where maybe the ground's still a little bit frosty, might be in March, something like that. You might buy yourself another four or five weeks of potential end losses before you hit that fix four or five growth stage. Um, and those four or five weeks uh, could be uh, considerable and may may impact how much N you apply later or when you apply that N later. But in many scenarios, uh, a single N application on wheat around FIX 4 or 5 um, can do quite well, again, depending on when you planted and how well you are tillered uh, in the autumn going into dormancy. Could you talk a little bit about the tillering? I know there's some companies that suggest uh, some management uh, agronomy people talk about applying nitrogen to encourage uh, more spring tillering. Yep. Uh, you know, I think the old rule of thumb is still try to get uh, a couple tillers on that plant in the autumn, um, anywhere from, from one to three, uh, if, if possible. Now, if you perhaps planted a little bit late in the autumn and that wheat isn't very developed going into dormancy, or coming out of dormancy in the springtime, you might want to bump that, that nitrogen application up a little bit. Because yes, you can promote some of that spring tillering uh, uh, to get that plant going uh, early in the season. Um, but again, we have to remember, the earlier you apply that end, you also create those opportunities for a few more end uh, loss uh, rainfall events that could come our way. Because we all know um, what those spring conditions can be. And they've, and they've been quite variable, right? Um, if you look at, uh, you know, that March, April, May, or that April, May time period for winter wheat production, the last several years, we've had Aprils where, you know, it's not unheard of to get eight, eight and a half, nine inches of rain. But we've also had quite a few April, May periods where we might get half inch or less than an inch in each of those months. Um, 
And so it's those end loss conditions that'll create uh, whether you should or should not split apply your end on winter wheat. Um, if we don't have those end loss conditions, that split end application typically has not paid off. Um, and if we do have those significant rainfall events early in the season, those are those scenarios where maybe that split end application does pay off. How late, uh, how late can the person put on uh, a little end for wheat? I know there's a few growers that will put, uh, try to put a little bit on a little bit later with some streamers uh, to maybe to just to kick it if, the, if things are looking good, the season's good so far. How late can you put it on and still have crop you know, utilization? That's a great question. And that's gonna be probably uh, uh, field specific, site specific, year specific. Um, so if you're talking uh, uh, like a rescue N application, yes, that can pay off many times. If we happen to be in a scenario where it's extremely wet or we have these severe end last conditions early in the season, that later application can pay off quite well. If the plant tends to do, do quite well, um, and you had sufficient end early in the season, you may or may not need that late application. So, you know, we've, we've played around and experimented with uh, uh, streamer bar applied in, you know, FIGS 5, FIGS 6, FIGS 7. That's about as late as we've gone. And we have seen positive benefits in some years. Um, you know, the later you apply, the more biomass, the more foliage you have, you do run the risk of a little bit of uh, phytotox on that wheat plant many times uh, it hasn't been yield robbing. Um, but again, that's going to be a, a, a individual field specific or site specific uh, situation. You know, we've got some growers uh, in certain parts of the, of the state that still like to, to put some of that uh, 28 out where we burn that foliage a lot. Uh, at what point is, is it too much? I mean, I don't know if, if that's even a good question to ask, but uh, if you're going to do a later, a later rate of app without a streamer, how much is too much? How much burn is too much? Yep, that's a good question. Because um, we've played around with that on, on wheat and some other cropping systems, and you know it, it tends to be crop specific. Um, you know, we've seen, seen some other, other crops, you know, like sugar beets where we can go quite high and we don't get much burn. We can go crops like wheat and some years we go at a low, low rate of N, um, and we see higher burn and other years we go higher rate of N and we don't see burn. So again, a lot of that comes back to what those environmental conditions are going to be at the time of N application and thereafter, you know, uh, if it's dry, if it's warm, your volatile N losses could be an issue um, where you get some of that uh, ammonia gas volatilizing off that soil surface and that can burn some of your foliage. Obviously where 28 comes in direct contact uh, with that growing plant part. Uh, those are scenarios where we also get a little bit of burn too. So we got to keep in mind again, how quick that wheat plant cycles through those growth stages. And I always remind people, you know, wheat puts on you know, ballpark figure, probably about 60% of its biomass in about three weeks in springtime. Um, and that's something that we tend to forget quite often. It cycles from that FIGS 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 quite quickly. And so, you know, one of those rules of thumb that I mentioned earlier is can you deliver end to the plant timely? 
you know, we have to not just get that end on the ground, we have to get it in the ground and we have to get it into the plant, especially with something like winter wheat because it grows so quick in the springtime. So speaking of timely and, and, and application, I was just wondering, does the use of manure work really well? Because that's getting considered right now, maybe an economical choice due to the prices. Would an application of manure be something to consider in a wheat? Uh, that's a great question. You know, the, the thing we have to remember with wheat is when it puts on a lot of its growth is probably when soil temperatures are a little bit cooler than some of our other field crops, right? So we get that bulk of growth in that mid to late April, early May time period. And some of that manure that might've been applied the previous fall or over the winter in specific scenarios may not mineralize in time for that winter wheat crop. So it could uh, uh, mineralize late. It could go through that nitrification process quite late and then not be available to that wheat plant until that wheat plant may not need it. It might be past that peak timing. And so again, we got to keep in mind those specific uh, primary growth periods of something like wheat versus corn uh, will be a little bit different. And then again, as those soil temperatures warm, that end will mineralize. Typically that doesn't happen uh, for the bulk of Michigan. Um, you know, we, we take PSNT testing typically, you know, that mid-June period. Why do we do that? That's when a lot of that end begins to mineralize. With wheat, a lot of our biomass and growth is already done by that point in time. We're headed out and we're probably actually already starting to uh, dry down. Okay. Well, with that, I think we've touched on, um, you know, I think what we've said in the corn one still applies here. Soil test, soil test, soil test. Don't apply it if you don't need it. Actually, I think the, the fall nitrate test is really interesting to me. It is. Uh, and it's something that I don't think a lot of farmers really think about. So I think that's really a good point. A take home message. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing we didn't talk about with wheat that much is sulfur, right? And that, that would probably deserve a little bit of consideration here because we do see some good S responses uh, with winter wheat. So again, we're talking probably about 15 to 20 units or uh, pounds of uh, sulfur to the acre. We tend to see uh, pretty good responses uh, in winter wheat. Now that response is going to be dictated a little bit by how much sulfur is built up uh, in that rooting zone. If you had S application to a previous crop, some of that might carry over, but that would be another item to consider um, with our wheat acres. Um, many times, if you apply a little bit of N, uh, a little bit of S, uh, oftentimes uh, will go along with that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Kurt, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, we'll have you back on to talk about soybeans. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Very good. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.